0: Welcome to A Journey Through The Message. My name is Robert.
1: And my name is Heidi.
0: (laughs) And we are Uh, delighted to have you along with us on this ride through the message.
1: Always. This is always a high point of my day.
0: If you are just joining us for the first time, or maybe you've been here since the beginning, thank you for choosing us and just joining along on this journey through the message. The Message Version Bible is just a paraphrase of the Bible and puts the text in just a little different light and allows you to see some things that maybe you didn't see before as you were reading. So
1: Yes, I've learned a lot and I considered myself fairly knowledgeable about the Bible in general, but I've been pretty humbled. There is so much to learn and it is anything but boring.
0: And man, we had the beginning of a lot of really crazy rules and laws, laws. yesterday. Because
1: it makes no sense to us,
0: right? Because the culture has advanced yes. so much. But if you think about it, back in that day, there was literally nothing. It was the wild, wild west.
1: Yeah, it's a wild Old Testament time. It's
0: the wild Old Testament, yeah. and yeah. It, this was god stepping in saying hey listen i need you to be different i need mm-hmm. you to be known that you're different and you're going to be known by how you're treating other people because a lot of those laws that were in there were all dispute kind of laws or you know if a neighbor does this or if this right, happens to right. your property or so there was a lot of those i'm sure kind of disputes
1: we also talked about women
0: yes god and was god,
1: elevating them and saying your women have value your servants have value your animals
0: have value because they are all his creation
1: yes and they lived in a culture of so many different gods and idols and practices it was not i mean a man at that time would not be convicted if he just I just don't like my wife and I'm kind of upset with her. He could kill her and nothing would happen. He could kill his daughter. Nothing would happen. could kill his son. Nothing would happen. Hmm. The man of the house, I can do what I want with him. Hmm. And God is saying, not my people. They were surrounded by people that sacrificed their children to idols, sacrificed them alive. And God is saying, absolutely not. I created them with value and even the lowliest, there are rules that govern the treatment of them. And it may cost you dearly mm-hmm. if you just decide, well, it's mine and I can do what I want with it, including to animals. But don't be an ox and go goring anybody because people get to chuck stones at you until you're dead. That one I'm not quite sure about,
0: but <laughs> I mean, what did they do? Like tie the oxen up so that it couldn't move. Because I'm if I'm an oxen and you start throwing stones at me, yeah. I'm gonna start kicking somebody. I'm gonna or, be on
1: the ground. Right? I'm gonna be snorting and yeah, I'm shaking my head happen. and get ready because it's gonna look like we just went to Spain and did some running with the bulls.
0: <laughs> I just <laughs> so Father God, thanks for making order out of life. Thanks for bringing order into. Mm what we call this life. You looked down and you saw this chaos and you said, I love my people so much, I want to give them some order. Yes. And so thank you for giving us these laws, these rules, this instruction, because it shows at the end of the day, even though we may not understand Mm -hmm. some of them in our context, it shows that at that time you cared about your people. And that part of you has not changed. You continue to care about us. You continue to look out for us and build us up, and you continue to elevate us. So thank you for just being this presence in our life. Thank you for being here in this reading today. And uh, just reach out to whoever needs it right now with just a little dose of encouragement.
1: Yes, and help us to understand that the rules you have given us are because of your endless love for us. Mm. They are not here to stifle us, to make us miserable, to cause us harm. Nothing of the sort. It is the absolute opposite. God wants the very, very best for you. And he wants you to live your happiest, most joyful life. Don't chafe against the rules that Mm. God has. Think of it as that is God's love. He's given us the rule book. Help us to just joyfully accept that and see it for the love that it is.
0: So Father God, just invade our hearts and minds as we read today. Be present with us and uh, we ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, wife. How are you today? I'm fabulous. It is always good to just sit down with you across from the microphone and just talk about some Jesus.
1: I love that this is part of our relationship. I love our conversations about God. I've never had that in a relationship before. And I just want to share with everyone, but especially you today, that Uh I cherish those times with you.
0: Oh, I cherish you too. So
1: yeah, I love that you We just had our little mushy moment. I know. I I love him. And it's like (laughs) we see each other all the time. We are together more than we're not. I wouldn't change a thing about it. It's my best friend and I'm
0: always happy to spend you. We do time have some you. fun. Down below in the comments, we're going to have all the text that we're reading out of today. So if you want to follow along in your favorite translation, feel free. But Heidi's going to get us started today in Matthew.
1: That's right. It looks like we're starting at verse 44. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! and proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or, God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for exquisite pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. Or, God's kingdom is like a fishnet cast into the sea, catching all kinds of fish. When it is full, it is hauled into the beach. The good fish are picked out and put in a tub. Those unfit to eat are thrown away. That's how it will be when the curtain comes down on history. The angels will come and call the bad fish and throw them in the garbage. There will be a lot of desperate complaining, but it won't do any good. Jesus asked, Are you starting to get a handle on all this? And they answered, Yes. Hmm. He said, Then you see how Every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. When Jesus finished telling these stories, he left there, returned to his hometown, and gave a lecture in the meeting house. He stole the show, impressing everyone. We had no idea he was this good, they said. How did he get so wise, get such ability? But in the next breath, they were cutting him down. We've known him since he was a kid. Hmm. He's the carpenter's son. We know his mother, Mary. We know his brothers, James and Joseph, Simon and Judas. All his sisters live here. Who does he think he is? They got all bent out of shape. But Jesus said, "'A prophet.'" Is taken for granted in his hometown and his family. He didn't do many miracles there because of their hostile indifference.
0: And it goes to show, too, that when we're indifferent to God, Mm -hmm. that
1: He just leaves.
0: He'll maybe still be there, but He's not going to pour out a bunch of blessings on you, right? If you're. Like, he'll, his presence is still there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't say he didn't do any. Right. He didn't do many. He
0: just pulled back. I'm reminded real quick of what the disciplinarian told me when I got kicked out of high school. You know, years <laughs> later, he and I have this conversation mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I wasn't out to get you. No. I wasn't out to try and ruin your life. I was just... Wanting you to experience the fullness in Jesus. Like, I knew that the life you were living was so small.
1: He loved you and cared about you.
0: And at the time, I thought, man, this dude hates me more than anything. I isn't, I did.
1: Isn't it ironic that humans can feel like somebody is out to get me? They don't like me. They must hate me. But it's the opposite. They care about you so much. They're willing to say the things they know you don't want to hear.
0: And now look at me.
1: And look at (laughs)
0: you now. And I'll be reading out of Acts chapter 19, and I'll be picking up at verse 23 and reading through 41. But before he got away, a huge ruckus occurred over what was now being referred to as the way. A certain silversmith, Demetrius, conducted a brisk trade in the manufacture of shrines to the goddess Artemis, employing a number of artisans in his business. He rounded up his workers and others who were employed and said, Men, you well know that we have a good thing going here, and you'd seen how Paul has barged in and discredited what we're doing by telling people that there's no such thing as a god made with hands. A lot of people are going along with him, not only here in Ephesus, but all through Asia province. Not only is our little business in danger of falling apart, but the temple of our famous goddess Artemis will certainly end up a pile of rubble as her glorious reputation fades to nothing. And this is no mere local matter. The whole world worships our Artemis. That set them off in a frenzy they ran into the street yelling great artemis of the ephesians great artemis of the ephesians they put the whole city in an uproar stampeding into the stadium and grabbing two of paul's associates mm-hmm. on the way the macedonians gaius and aristarchus paul wanted to go in too but the disciples wouldn't let him prominent religious leaders in the city who had become friendly to paul concurred by no means go near that mob Some were yelling one thing, some another. Most of them had no idea what was going on or why they were even there. As the Jews pushed Alexander to the front to try and gain control, different factions clamored to get him on their side. But he brushed them off and quieted the mob with an impressive sweep of his arms. But the moment he opened his mouth and they knew he was a Jew, they shouted him down. Great Artemis of the Ephesians, Great Artemis of the Ephesians, on and on and on for over two hours. Finally, the town clerk got the mob quieted down and said, Fellow citizens, is there anyone anywhere who doesn't know that our dear city Ephesus is protector of glorious Artemis and her sacred stone image that fell straight out of heaven? Since this is beyond contradiction, You had better get a hold of yourselves. This is conduct unworthy of Artemis. These men that you've dragged in here have done nothing to harm either our temple or our goddess. So if Demetrius and his guild of artisans have a complaint, they can take it to court and make all the accusations they want. If anything else is bothering you, bring it to the regularly scheduled town meeting and let it be settled there. There is no excuse for what's happened today. We're putting our city in serious danger. Rome, remember, does not look kindly on rioters. And with that, he sent them home. Ooh,
1: always be aware of what's going on before you get carried away by something. And I'm saying that as just even a personal conviction. We've Mm. come through, through some things recently with a little virus situation. And it caused people to get in an uproar, whether you're on this side, that side, or the other side. It's so easy to get swept up and carried away Mm. in the noise and the loudness and the clamoring and everybody shouting to be heard. Exactly.
0: That was the hardest part for me is seeing people treating other people completely differently than what they normally would have all based on.
1: I know. To lose friendship over and... that was really, it was a heartbreaking thing because, you know, we're the same people. We, we've never changed. As I was reading that, it's like human nature has always been the same. So yeah. just be aware and educate yourself. Know what you're getting involved in. Don't just cause emotions or the noise or the fact that everyone's doing it.
0: And we're talking about stuff far greater than any virus or cold. Oh, yes. This is really just for every... Every,
1: Oh, yeah. Just generally speaking, just think things through and make your decisions based on your own thoughts, not everybody else's. And
0: something that we've done, too, is not reacting right away and taking Mm -hmm. a second to kind of pray about it and see where does my response fit in? Because you don't have to react there's nothing saying you have to react within a certain amount of time to be what yeah i know i know
1: i'm a hasty reactor and i've really worked to curb that
0: yeah so to pump the brakes and just how is my reaction going to fit in what's the result that i want from it
1: why do i feel like i I... have to be heard right why and i'm finding that a lot of times what I have to, it's not that important. It doesn't matter if anybody and else And how many times it,
0: Jesus didn't say anything. They accused him of things and he just sat there and looked at them.
1: Like, oh, and then off he went. Yep.
0: And so now everybody's favorite part of the segment, we're rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi's going to pick up here today with Psalms chapter 32.
1: Yes, this sounds like another good one, but aren't they all All right, David, Psalm 32, count yourself lucky, how happy you must be. You get a fresh start, your slate's wiped clean. That's a beautiful thing. It is. Oh, and that's for all of us. Your slate has been wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll come clean about my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. These things add up. Every one of us needs to pray. Mm -hmm. When all hell breaks loose in the damn burst, we'll be on high ground, untouched. God's my island hideaway, keeps danger far from the shore, throws garlands of hosannas around my neck. Let me give you some good advice. I'm looking you in the eye and giving it to you straight. Don't be ornery like a horse or mule that needs bit and bridle to stay on track. God defiers are always in trouble. God affirmers find themselves loved every time they turn around. Celebrate God. Sing together, everyone. All you honest hearts, raise the roof.
0: Raise the roof.
1: Oh. <laughs> this is what a good celebration good one and so true i'm gonna read just real quickly verse five yeah then i let it all out i said i'll come clean about my failures to god and then this suddenly the pressure was gone thank you jesus my guilt dissolved my sin disappeared Don't be afraid to be transparent, even with the ugliest parts of your life. It is terrifying to do that. But I can tell you, personal experience, I'll never tell you to do something I'm not willing to do, but it was the most freeing thing to openly own my failures, my sins, my shortcomings. I didn't have to. I did it. I was scared to death, but at the end of it, that's exactly what I found. Mm. I felt so light and so free. There was nothing out there for anybody to throw at because I have owned it. I have confessed it, and Jesus covered it.
0: It's Yay. A, it's a beautiful <laughs> place to be. <laughs> it is.
1: I'm not giving this up ever, 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 ever.
0: There is a certain freedom in being transparent Absolutely. and with I've found myself in the past, I'm drawn to leaders, church leaders that are transparent. Mm -hmm. If I see a minister up there that just puts on the show every Sunday and saying the right things and really just... I mean, doesn't engage with his people and doesn't oh, doesn't talks, show a pretty. weakness, doesn't show like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Exactly. I have been so drawn to leaders that say, man, you know, I struggled with this last week or man, I this is a something in my life and something yes. that I've gone through. And it just makes them more human and lets you know, hey, even them, right? People yes. that are called into ministry and everything. They're going through stuff too.
1: They're no different than They're you no and I. Different.
0: No, no different. No different. No
1: different at all.
0: And now I'll be picking up in Acts when we're reading 24, 25, and 26.
1: Oh, like, you've got some reading got to some do reading. today. Here we go. I think we're reading in Exodus. You may have said Acts.
0: Oh, so we're reading in Exodus and I'll be starting out in chapter 24.
1: <laughs> so there we go.
0: He said to Moses, Climb the mountain of God, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. They will worship from a distance. Only Moses will approach God. The rest are not to come close, and the people are not to climb the mountain at all. So Moses went to the people and told them everything that God had said, all the rules and regulations. They all answered in unison, everything God said we will do then moses wrote it all down everything god had said he got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain using 12 pillar stones for the 12 tribes of israel and then he directed young israelite men to offer whole burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings of bulls moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he threw against the altar I'm just saying, church back then <laughs> and all, I mean, it must have been smelly messy and messy. Slice. I mean, throwing blood all over the place. I mean, I mean, I can I get a disinfectant wipe? Oh,
1: I know. Animal lover me would Ooh. have had a hard time. God, that would have been me, tough. You made me this way. I would have been bawling every time an animal died. Oh.
0: Then he took the book of the covenant and read it as the people listened. They said, everything God said, we will do. Yes, we will obey. Moses took the rest of the blood and threw it out over the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has made with you. Out of all of these words, I have spoken. So
1: they were getting... He- you, they so would fling blood on you. They,
0: I guess he flung blood I, on you. I too.
1: understand the symbolism. Sure. So being a New Testament girl, yes. I would be a little bothered if Chad trots up front <laughs> and starts flinging bowls of blood on, on the church members that it, gather.
0: It would be a little messy.
1: Visitors may Maybe, not want to come back. It,
0: it might be hard to get somebody to come back the next week, or
1: it might attract people that are really into some <laughs> odd things, but.
0: Then they climbed the mountain, Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and saw the God of Israel. He was standing on a pavement of something like sapphires, pure, clear sky blue. He didn't hurt these pillar leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. God said to Moses, Climb higher up the mountain and wait there for me. I'll give you tablets of stone the teachings and commandments that I've written to instruct them. So Moses got up, accompanied by Joshua, his aide, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God.
1: They were old at this time, because he was in his 80s when he got sent to Egypt, and they've been out here how long?
0: 40-some years. Yeah, so he was at least 120. He told the elders of Israel, wait for us here until we return to you. You have Aaron and her with you. If there are any problems, go to them. Then Moses climbed the mountain. The cloud covered the mountain. The glory of God settled over Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called out of the cloud to Moses. In the view of the Israelites below, the glory of God looked like a raging fire at the top mm. of the mountain. Moses entered the middle of the cloud and climbed the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. I'd forgotten that it was that long.
0: God spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites that they are to set aside offerings for me. Receive the offerings from everyone who is willing to give. These are the offerings that I want you to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, dolphin skins, acacia wood, lamp oils, spices for anointing oils and for fragrant incense, onyx stones and other stones for setting in the ephod and the breastpiece, let them construct a sanctuary for me so that I can live among them. You are to construct it following the plans that I've given you, the design for the dwelling, And the design for all of its furnishings. First, let them make a chest using acacia wood, making it three and three quarters feet long and two and one quarter feet wide and deep. Cover it with a veneer of pure gold inside and out and make a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Make poles from acacia wood and cover them with a veneer of gold and insert them into the rings on the sides of the chest for carrying the chest. The poles are to stay in the rings. They must not be removed. Place the testimony that I give you in the chest. Now make a lid of pure gold for the chest and atonement cover three and three quarters feet long and two and one quarter feet wide. Sculpt two winged angels out of hammered gold for either end of the atonement cover, one angel at one end and one angel at the other. Make them of one piece with the atonement cover. Make the angels with their wings spread hovering over the atonement cover, facing one another but looking down on it. Set the atonement cover as a lid over the chest and place in the chest the testimony that I will give you. I will meet with you at set times and speak with you from above the atonement cover and from between the angel figures that are on it, speaking the commands that I have for the Israelites. Next, make a table from acacia wood. Make it three feet long, one and a half feet wide, and two and one quarter feet high. Cover it with a veneer of pure gold. Make a molding all around of it of gold. And make the border a handbreadth wide all around it and a rim of gold for the border. Make four rings of gold and attach the rings to the four legs parallel to the tabletop. They will serve as holders for the poles used to carry the table. Make the poles of acacia wood and cover them with a veneer of gold. They will be used to carry the table. Make plates, bowls, jars, and jugs for pouring out offerings. Make them of pure gold. Always keep fresh bread of the presents on the table before me. Make a lampstand of pure hammered gold. Make its stem and branches, cups and calyxes and petals, all of one piece. Give it six branches, three from one side and three from the other. Put three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with calyx and petals, on one branch, three on the next, and so on the same for all six branches. On the main stem of the lampstand, make four cups that are shaped like almonds with calyx and petals and a calyx extending from under each pair of the six branches, the entire lampstand fashioned from one piece of hammered pure gold. Make seven of these lamps for the table. Arrange the lamps so that they throw their light out front. Make the candle snuffers and trays out of pure gold. Use a 75-pound brick of pure gold to make the lampstand and its accessories. Study the design that you were given on the mountain and make everything accordingly. 75 pounds. Like, how prevalent was gold back in this day? I mean, is it like... (laughs) Bowsers. Make the dwelling itself from 10 panels of tapestry woven from fine twisted linen. Blue and purple in scarlet material with an angel cherubim design. A skilled craftsman should do it. The panels of tapestry are each to be 46 feet long and 6 feet wide. Join five of the panels together and then the other five together. Make loops of blue along the edge of the outside panel of the first set and the same on the outside panel of the second set. Make 50 loops on each panel and then make 50 gold clasps and join the tapestries together so that the dwelling is one whole. Next, make the tapestries of goat hair for a tent that will cover the dwelling. Make 11 panels of these tapestries. The length of each panel will be 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. Join 5 of the panels together and then the other 6. Fold the sixth panel double at the front of the tent and now make 50 loops along the edge of the end panel and 50 loops along the edge of the joining panel. Make 50 clasps of bronze and connect the clasps with the loops, bringing the tent together. Hanging half of the overlap and the tapestry panels over the rear of the dwelling, the 18 inches of overlap on either side will cover the sides of the tent. Finally, make a covering of the tapestries of tanned ram skins dyed red, and over that a covering of dolphin skins. Frame the dwelling with planks of acacia wood, each section of frame 15 feet long and 2 and 1 quarter feet wide, with two pegs for securing them. Make all the frames identical. 20 frames for the south side with 40 silver sockets to receive the two pegs from each of the 20 frames. The same construction on the north side of the dwelling, for the rear of the dwelling, which faces west, makes six frames with two additional frames for the rear corners. Both of the two corner frames need to be double in thickness from top to bottom and fit into a single ring, eight frames altogether with 16 sockets of silver two under each frame. Now make crossbars of acacia wood, five for the frames on one side of the dwelling, five for the other side, and five for the back side facing west. The center crossbar runs from end to end halfway up the frames. Cover the frames with a veneer of gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. And cover the crossbars with a veneer of gold. Then put the dwelling together following the design that you were shown on the mountain. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. Have a design of angel cherubim woven into it by a skilled craftsman. Fasten it with gold hooks to four posts of acacia wood covered with a veneer of gold, set on four silver bases. And after hanging the curtain from the clasps, Bring the chest of the testimony in behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the holy of holies. Now place the atonement cover lid on the chest of the testimony in the holy of holies. Place the table on the lampstand outside the curtain, the lampstand on the south side of the dwelling and the table opposite it on the north side. Make a screen for the door of the tent. Weave it from blue, purple, and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. Frame the weaving with five poles of acacia wood covered with a veneer of gold and make gold hooks to hang the weaving. Cast five bronze bases for the poles. And that's the end of chapter 26.
1: Oh, those were some detailed, very specific...
0: Do you know what the thought that I had while I was in there? I
1: can't wait. I wonder if it's Oh, this mine. is so
0: good. So have you ever bought one of those tents from like some tent place, let's say REI or whatever. And it's like this little tiny tent inside of this thing. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna set this thing up. It should be super easy. And on the outside of the box, it says set up in 90 seconds.
1: It's amazing.
0: And then you like get it out and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got all of these pieces and parts and I got to take ring D and put it into this. I mm-hmm. just, I imagine Moses up there, like he's getting downloaded all this information. And then he's like, wait a second. Uh, did I have to put the one pole inside of the other hook? Or like-
1: Let me check my hold notes. Hold on.
0: Yeah, can I check the notes here again? No.
1: Well, I think of the people that had to make those tapestries or the curtains. Sure. 46 those feet are huge. long by six feet wide by hand. They were woven by hand and had a cherubim woven into it. 46 feet. But imagine what that looks like to see something 46 feet tall with this cherubim. And we're not talking Cupid. I mean, it had to have been a remarkably beautiful, astonishing thing to see in the wilderness, and maybe that's why just elaborate and beautiful and rich. And that's an awful lot of rules and a lot of rings and tabs and woo.
0: But it was putting people to work too. It was finding, uh, what are your skills? And people were now a part of the worship.
1: And I think God was trying to teach them, pay attention to the details. I mean, they had to really like, okay, now what exactly did God say? How does he want this to be? Pay attention to the details. There is a reason for it. And I'd love to study more about that to see if there's symbolism in any of the measurements or the sizes or, or whatever it may be. I just would like to know more about that. Or maybe we just don't know, those are God's building plans. We may not know, we just guessed.
0: There was a little pause here about chapters 25 through 27. Oh. It says, A sanctuary is a place where we immerse ourselves in Mm -hmm. God. We, like the Israelites, gather there to listen to the reading of the scriptures from which we hear stories of God's search for us, his love for us, his embrace of us, and his covenant commitment to us. In the sanctuary described in Exodus 25 through 27, we see an altar which was fraught with theological significance. In our sanctuaries today, we see a cross which is also fraught with theological significance. Through this sacrificial system, God instructed Israel about the consequences of their sins and the need for sacrifices to atone for them. Through the cross, we see the fulfillment of the sacrificial system in Christ who gave himself once and for all for all of our sins. Just as the Israelites brought their offerings to the sanctuary, so we bring our offerings when we come to church. Like the Israelites, we sing hymns, we pray, we confess our sins, we give thanks, and we offer our lives to God. A sanctuary isn't a show place where the audience comes and watches what takes place on stage. A sanctuary isn't a lecture hall where students sit, listen to a teacher, and take notes. A sanctuary is a place of being, of sinking ourselves into the reality of a God-created mm. world, a Christ-saved world, and a spirit-blessed world, and that is what our churches today should be.
1: Amen.
0: Powerful stuff.
1: There was a lot in this. I'm glad that you took the time to read that. And just a reminder of how we need to see church when we walk in there. We literally are walking into a sanctuary of God Mm -hmm. to worship. And again, I've had another lecture that talked about it and. God himself will judge us if we're mindlessly saying the words and singing the songs. God expects us to be there, meaning everything that's coming out of our mouth. It's our worship to God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: God doesn't hear Mm -hmm. empty and meaningless words and songs. It might sound beautiful, but if you are not understanding what you are saying in the words that you're using, God's not even hearing it. I think that's why I'm just brought to tears so much because for the first time when I sit in church, every word of every song is so deeply meaningful to mm-hmm. me. And it moves me to, as you see, literal tears. Yeah, I, I cry and have tears in church every time. And I loved what our pastor said last Sunday. Our pastor, he doesn't, he has emotion. He doesn't express it or show it. There's a lot of people like that, but he was in tears, visible tears when he walked up and said he always knows when the spirit is present around him because he says the tears just come. Hmm. And I like to believe that that's the reason for my being filled with the tears too. Why would I ever be embarrassed about those kind of tears? They're from God himself. They are. God.
0: And it's tears of almost a thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me.
1: It's overwhelming to me. It's real in my life in a way that it never has been before. It took me 54, almost 55 years to get there. And I'm so glad to be here.
0: And we are so glad that you are on this journey with us. These readings, I mean, they're really for us just as much as they might be for one of you out there. Right. If nobody was listening, we would still do this because we are getting something out of this for ourselves. And it is our prayer that something that we say every time we turn the microphone on and turn the computer on, something that we say through us Mm -hmm. blesses someone out there. No matter when it is, it could be today and it could be a year from now, but we hope that that blessing is there for you.
1: So I, here I am, here's another challenge for you. If you have a spouse, a significant other, a dear friend, a family member, I'm gonna challenge you. See if you can set a time to get together and read. God's Word together. Talk about it. Have conversation about it. Just throw your questions out there. See their viewpoints and learn and grow from each other. It is remarkable what happens when you just talk about God. And as I've said before, that is what theology is. You don't need fancy Mm -hmm. college words. Theology is literally conversations about God go have yourself some.
0: And what better way to learn about God than in his word, right? Mm -hmm. So friends, thank you so much for being on this journey through the message with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, just be blessed and be encouraged. And we look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Can't wait to have you back and bring some friends with you. Bye.